Hey, good morning. This is the Pastor David Ford. I'm the pastor of Mission Charlottesville, a new missional church in Charlottesville, Virginia. We are a member congregation of the Wesleyan Covenant Association. So I'm coming to you this morning with a message entitled Faith That Stands in Tough Times, Truth, Righteousness, and Peace. And this scripture comes from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 15. And here are those verses now, and I quote. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand, therefore, and fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness as shoes for your feet. Put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. Now, would you please pray for me and I'll pray for all of us as we come to this message. Lord, thank you for this day. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We pray that you would come today and guide us into all truth. Again, I pray, give us ears to hear, hearts and minds that are open, teachable spirits, and wills quick to obey your word. We dedicate this preaching in the name of Jesus, the strong Son of God. Amen. Do you remember a man named Dr. Robert Schuller? <laughs> he was a pioneer of religious broadcasting in America for 50 years. He was a pastor. He was a motivational speaker and an author. And one of his best known works was entitled, Tough Times Never Last, But Tough People Do. And in that book, He popularized these wise and true words, and I quote, tough times don't last, but tough people do. Well, tough in what sense? In the sense of people who have a tough faith that stands in tough times. Well, I use that to introduce this message to you this morning called Faith That Stands in Tough Times. Truth, righteousness, and peace. Now, when we look at the scripture for this morning, Ephesians 6, 10 through 15, we find that the great apostle Paul, he was led by the Holy Spirit to use the common items of a first century Roman soldier's armament in a metaphorical way to convey inspired spiritual truths that bolster faith that stands in tough times. Now, Dr. Harold Honer, he wrote an excellent exegetical commentary on the book of Ephesians. 
And he wrote the following about Ephesians 6.11, and I quote, In literature from classical to New Testament times, it refers to the suit of armor of the foot soldier, meaning a Roman foot soldier. Now, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, it's referred to as one of the captivity epistles. In other words, letters that were written by Paul while he was a prisoner of the Roman Empire, overseen by Roman soldiers on a daily basis. As best scholars know, Ephesians was written by Paul in the early 60s of the first century, while he was under house arrest in Rome, where Roman soldiers and their armament was a daily reality for Paul. Now, let me ask you, isn't it just like God to lead Paul to redeem the armor of those that held him in captivity to teach us spiritual truths that set us free and others free from the captivity of the devil? Yes, it is. It's just like God. And so, as I mentioned in the first message in this series, I'm going to be referring to a companion book. I'll be quoting from it some, a book as this message unfolds entitled The Invisible War, What Every Believer Needs to Know About Satan, Demons, and Spiritual Warfare. Now, that book, Pastor Chip Ingram's book, it revolves around this very passage of scripture we're looking at today, Ephesians 6, uh, 10 through 20. And he makes this great point for us as disciples of Jesus Christ. We do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. The good news is when we're in Christ, Christ is in us. Then by his grace, power, and truth, the works of the devil in our lives can be destroyed and the works of our Savior and Lord can triumph in and through us. That we can even uh, join in with the Lord in destroying the works of the devil, not just in our lives, but even in the lives of others and in society, I would add. Ephesians 6.13 calls and commands all disciples of Jesus Christ to join with our Lord in his work of destroying the works of the devil and doing his works and the works of the kingdom. Paul wrote, and I quote, therefore, take up the whole armor of God so you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Now, in the original Greek of Ephesians 6.13, the, the, the term take up, like take up the whole armor of God, in the Greek is one word. It's obviously a verb. And it is in what is known as the imperative mood. Meaning, it is in the form of a command. So as disciples of Jesus Christ, to have faith that stands in tough times, Ephesians 16, 6.13, it's not a suggestion. It's not a request. But we are commanded to proactively believe and receive and operate in God's protective provision 
for our good and the good of those around us. If you look at a diagram of an ancient Roman soldier's armament, it makes clear that they were well covered with armament. The truth of our scripture, it communicates to us that God through Christ has covered us too. And God has our back. Only God through Christ can give us the spiritual armor that we need for faith that will stand not just in tough times, but in the toughest of times. Only God can give it through Christ. But please hear me. Only we can receive it and operate in it. That brings me to this point. Faith that stands in tough times has fastened truth to itself and itself to truth. Ephesians 6.14, it calls and it commands us, stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist. Now, that's the second command in this passage of scripture that I read for us today. Stand is in the imperative mood. We are commanded to stand, not flee. We're to fasten truth to us and ourselves to truth. Chip Ingram, he wrote, and I quote, A Roman soldier had a belt, and all the rest of his armor was somehow hooked to that belt. It was critical to the rest of the equipment. So when the battle cry sounded, a soldier would lift his robe, tuck it into his belt where his sword would hang and his shield would attach. The belt was central and a lot depended on its being secure. Please hear me. There is inspired wisdom as to why Paul lists this one first, because the others are connected to it. Now, in our case, it's not a literal belt, like I have a a leather belt around my waist right now, but it is the belt of truth, which is central to faith that stands in tough times. You see, putting on the belt of truth in anyone's life, it begins with coming into a personal faith relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's when we put on the belt. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So God in Christ is the ultimate source of absolute truth. For God is truth. Jesus is the ultimate revelation of the God of truth. He was was God incarnate in the humanity of Jesus of Nazareth. And because he was God incarnate, then he was also the incarnation of the truth of God and the God of truth. He embodied, he spoke, and he did absolute truth. He didn't speak half-truths. He spoke absolute truth. So when we're in Christ and Christ is in us, the one who is truth has direct access to us and we to him. We must abide in a trusting, obedient relationship with God through Christ or else we will stray into the lies and errors and the bondage of the devil. 
Now listen, God in his great love for us has given us the greatest inspired source of written truth. It is the inspired, authoritative, infallible word of God. Jesus prayed in John 17, 17. He he prayed these very words. He prayed for his disciples then and us now. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Now, the presence of him who is truth and the presence of his inspired written word in our lives, it equips and empowers us to put on and keep putting on every day the belt of truth. When I got up this morning, I wasn't wearing the belt of truth. I had a choice to make. Am I going to put on my pants today and put on a belt to keep my pants up or not? Well, if that's going to get anything done today and leave my house, I'd better have my pants on and I better have my belt on too, right? (laughs) Listen, every day we have a decision to make. Are we going to put on the belt of truth today or not? And if we don't, please hear me. We're tempting the devil to tempt us. Putting on the belt, it's a a daily decision. Chip Ingram, he wrote this in his book, and I quote, The word truth in this passage means candor, sincerity, and truthfulness. It is rooted in the objective reality of the truth of God's word. Here it refers to the subjective, practical application of openness and honesty in all things with God and people. We are to train our minds to see God, ourselves and others, through the clear lens of what he says is true. That means we don't play games. We're honest with God, honest with others, with ourselves, and we're honest with others. We're open when the Spirit of God speaks to us. We don't allow ourselves to be deceived. We don't rationalize our sins away under the skies of ignorance, relativity, or blame. Listen, the devil and the demons, they're always looking for a chink in our armor. And if we begin the habit of not putting on the belt of truth, it will not be long before we are compromised spiritually. And when somebody becomes compromised spiritually and they continue in that compromised state, it will not be long. They will be compromised morally and ethically. And that can lead to us making shipwreck of our faith and our lives. This again, I say. It, and I read this not long ago, this truth. I'd never thought of it in quite this way. And when I read it, it just jumped out at me. Have we ever thought that if we don't go on putting on the belt of truth, Not only will we be more vulnerable to temptation, but we might be tempting the devil to tempt us. Now, how how do we, in terms of putting the belt of truth on, how do we get a firm grip on the, the source of written, inspired truth, God's word? How do we get a grip on it so it'll have a grip on us? Now, I want to share a little exercise with you. I encourage you to commit this one to memory. 
All right. I learned this years ago. I was at a training event in California with my wife and I, uh, <clears throat> I heard, uh, Pastor Rick Warren share this one. I never forgot it. It's a good one. Lift one hand. All right. And with your other hand, I want you to re- do what I do and repeat after me. When it comes to getting a grip on God's word, we need to, starting with our little finger, we need to hear it, read it, study it, meditate on it, memorize it, and here it comes, apply it. That's how you get a grip on God's word. And when we do, then God's word gets a grip on us. The belt of truth will be firmly fastened around us. But please hear me. I can do those five things flawlessly and be a failure because I didn't put on the belt of truth. I didn't apply it. I hope you'll remember that. Hear it. Read it. Study it, meditate on it, memorize it, and apply it. Stories told one time about President Harry Truman, who was a Christian, by the way. He was under intense pressure. Uh, World War II was unfolding. And he was at a conference in Germany called the Potsdam Conference, where he was meeting with the Premier Joseph Stalin and the Prime Minister of England, Winston Churchill. And the story goes like this, and I quote, One evening near the end of an arduous session at the palace, Truman prepared to leave for his nearby lodgings. A young Army public relations officer, seeing Truman about to leave in his car, stuck his head in the window and asked to hitch a ride. Truman told told him to get in and the two struck up a conversation, overheard and later reported by the driver. In Berlin, the black market was rampant, and everything was available. Cigarettes, watches, whiskey, and prostitutes. Actually, let me uh, correct myself here. This was after World War II. The officer said, that if there was anything the president wanted, anything at all he needed, he had only to say the word. And this young, foolish army officer said to President Truman, the Christian, he said, and I quote, anything, you know, like women. Truman bristled. He said, listen, son, I married my sweetheart. She doesn't run around on me. I don't run around on her. I want that understood. Don't ever mention that kind of stuff to me again. And Truman's driver later recalled, he said, by the time we were home, he got out of the car and never even said goodbye to that guy. You know why that unfolded the way it did? Why he wasn't, why he didn't yield to temptation that got in the car with him and talked to him. It's because Harry Truman had put on the belt of truth. He was wearing the belt of truth that day. How about you? Are you wearing the belt of truth today?
That brings me to this point. Faith that stands in tough times has put on righteousness because righteousness has been given. Ephesians 6.14 says, and put on the breastplate of righteousness. Quoting again from Ingram's book, says this, a Roman breastplate was usually made of bronze, or if you were a more affluent soldier, chain mail. It covered the midsection and then some, from just below the neck down to the thighs. And they called it a heart protector for obvious reasons. It guarded the vital organ that keeps us alive. Now, ours in Christ is not just a breastplate. It is a breastplate of righteousness. The New Testament teaches that God in Christ has done two things. He has both imputed righteousness to us and he has imparted righteousness to us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 is a statement about the imputed righteousness of God to us in Christ. It says, and I quote, For our sake, he, that is God, made him, that is Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Listen. Christ took our unrighteousness up into himself at the cross. And what do we get in exchange? We get, as a free gift, his righteousness imputed to us so that we're given a legal standing of righteousness before God because we're clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Uh, If you know of a better deal than that, I'd like to hear about it. But listen, it doesn't stop with righteousness just being imputed to us. But scripture teaches that righteousness is also imparted to us. First John 2.29, it says this, and I quote, If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who does right has been born of him. When one is born anew by the power of the Spirit of God, through faith in the Son of God, a new righteous nature is imparted to the child of God. And with that nature, we will be imparted to hunger and thirst after righteousness, just as Jesus said. And Jesus said, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. Will be filled and go on being filled. I'm telling you. So by the Spirit of God to empower us and the Word of God to guide us, we can go on putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Every day, just like we put on the belt of truth every day. Here's what Chip Ingram wrote about that word righteousness. I quote, the word righteousness in Ephesians 6.14 means uprightness, right living, integrity in one's lifestyle and character. It is a matter of conforming our will to God's will. It is rooted in the objective righteousness that we already possess 
in our standing before God through Christ's work. That righteousness cannot be taken away from us. It is complete because we're in Christ, Christ is in us. But while the righteousness of this verse flows out of that objective reality, this is really the practical application of truth to our lives. In other words, the righteousness referenced to here is submitting to the lordship of Christ. Put simply, it's putting into practice what you know is right. Listen again, the devil and the demons, they're always looking for a chink in our armor. And what they really would like to go for is our heart to dishearten us. Charles Spurgeon, the great uh, Baptist preacher of the 19th century in England, they called him the Prince of Preachers. And he said this about the work of the devil, and I quote, What settings are you in when you fall? Avoid them. What props do you have that support your sin? Eliminate them. What people are usually with? Avoid them. There are two equally damning lies Satan wants us to believe. Number one, just once won't hurt. (laughs) You ever heard that one? You ever fallen for that one? I have. And number two, now that you've ruined your life, you're beyond God's use and you might as well enjoy sinning. Whenever he opens his mouth, out comes a lie. So let us guard our hearts from the usurper for our hearts are our Lord's royal throne. The breastplate of righteousness imputed and imparted to us will guard our hearts. That brings me to this last point. Faith that stands in tough times has received equipping to share the gospel of peace, but first receive the gospel of peace. Ephesians 6.15, it puts it this way. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. Ingram teaches us in that book, and I quote, he said about the, this is what Roman soldiers would put on their feet. Roman sandals were strapped up to the knee and tightly fastened to the soldier's leg. The soles had knobs and sometimes nails protruding from them, an ancient version of athletic cleats. When soldiers have a solid foundation, they can stand unmoved against their opposition. They don't slip or lose their balance very often if their feet are gripping the ground. Paul's point is that we are to be firmly grounded in the gospel of peace so that we can then share the gospel of peace. In Ephesians 6.15, the phrase, make you ready, Chip Ingram says it means literally establishment. And he says it conveys two ideas. Knowing the gospel inside and out and being ready to share it. Listen, when we are well grounded in the mercy of God in Christ, he goes on to say, 
We are prepared to extend his mercy to others. We're on solid ground. That kind of readiness brings peace on both fronts, within our own hearts, and between God and people who need him. Here's a story of somebody who had put on the shoes of preparation so they were ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. Uh, my friend, Dr. Terry Takel, he was uh, sitting in the Atlanta airport one time, and I'm quoting here. He said, I was sitting in the Atlanta airport worshiping with my iPod and enjoying the Lord when the Holy Spirit nudged me to take notice of the man sitting next to me. We struck up a conversation. After a few minutes, I asked him about the long scar on the side of his face. Man replied, he said, when I was 15, our house caught on fire. I jumped out the window and I cut my face. He said, it's a good thing I didn't die because I'm sure I would have gone straight to hell. I wish someone could tell me how to get to heaven. (laughs) And right there in the Atlanta airport, Terry Takel shared the gospel of peace with that man. I don't know who's going to hear this today. There may be somebody that hears this today. You've never received the gospel of peace. Maybe you've never heard the gospel of peace. Please hear me. Putting on the whole armor of God begins with receiving the gospel of peace, the good news of peace. Listen, we can't share what we do not have. Here's the good news of peace in a nutshell. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Listen, if you're tired of the devil running your life and you'd like Jesus to give you abundant eternal life now in his kingdom that will last forever. I invite you to pray this prayer for salvation, to receive the gospel of peace, so you can be at peace with God, peace with others, and peace with yourself. If you'd like to have that, remember, God wants you to have it more than you want it. God will say yes to this prayer. If God didn't say yes to this prayer, he would make a mockery of the shed blood of his son, Jesus Christ. So pray with me, would you? And I encourage you, pray it out loud. It will help you to remember and mark this day when you receive the gospel of peace and you began to put on truth righteousness, and peace. Pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, I am sorry for the things I have done wrong in my life. 
please forgive me. I now turn from everything that I know is wrong. I thank you that you died on the cross for me so I could be forgiven and set free. I thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. I receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me now and forever. Lord, today I receive the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the gospel of peace to believe and to share. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray this in your name. Amen. Well, I want to encourage you, if today was a day of decision for you, particularly if, if you received Christ for the first time, I want to encourage you to send an email to Rick Bonfim Ministries. Share that decision with them, and they'll encourage you and share with you next steps in Christian discipleship. You can send an email to rbm at ladder, L-A-T-T-E-R-A-I-N, rbm at ladderrain.com, or you can call 706-353-1546. There's great people that are in ministry there that uh, will love you and minister to you and encourage you in your new walk with Christ. So thanks for listening today, and uh, I'll be with you again and share the third message in this series entitled Faith That Stands in Tough Times. God bless you today and always. To the promised land, in boundless love and mercy, he gave his only son, who became the sacrifice for everyone. Oh, God's mercy, so amazing. Oh, God's mercy so amazes me To every generation He gives the joy of His salvation Oh, God's mercy so amazes me As I watch the world around me I can see his mighty hand Delivering his people From the evil in this land The wounded and the broken From the seed of Abraham And led them through the wilderness Into the promised land In boundless love and mercy, He gave His 